Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Hacking HR podcast, the show where we talk about the amazing future of human resources and all things at the intersection of future of work, technology, innovation, organizations, transformation, and people. At Hacking HR, we believe that human resources can become the most important trailblazer, leading people and organizations successfully and effectively into the new reality of work and life. To do that, we must rise to the challenges of our times, shoot for the stars, and achieve our fantastic potential. During this show, we discuss ideas, insights, data, experiences, stories, and anything else that can contribute to helping you become and be a better HR leader and practitioner. Thank you so much for joining us today and enjoy the show. Some of, the, some of the greatest opportunities that I've found is, is access to people. Um, I've found that, um, you know, you can, you can have, you know, conversations quickly on the fly. You can, you can stack your calendar, you know, easier than you ever could before, which is a gift and a curse. Um, but then I've also found that, you know, it's very hard to, to onboard people. I've found it's very hard and there's opportunity to, to make updates there. I found that in training, um, trying to engage, you know, people, uh, is, is tricky as well. And so those are, those are a couple of opportunities I'm finding. Michael is the VP of people at Kogo Labs. He's a global talent and people leader with extensive experience in hyper growth technology companies. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Hacking Nature podcast. I am very excited to be with Mike today. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Well, it is, it is an honor to have a conversation with you. You've been putting so much work into transitioning all your operation from the in-person world to the virtual world. And of course, this, this has been happening for the past few months, ever since this pandemic started, right? But but I wanted to touch base with you on, on some of that transition from, from the in-person world to, to the virtual world. What, what have you seen as some of the opportunities in this transition, but also some of the challenges that you have seen al- along the way? Yeah, I think some of, the, some of the greatest opportunities that I've found is, is access to people. Um, I found that... Um, you know, you can, you can have, you know, conversations quickly on the fly. You can, you can stack your calendar, you know, easier than you ever could before, which is a gift and a curse. Um, but then I've also found that, you know, it's very hard to, to onboard people. I've found it's very hard and there's opportunity to, to make updates there. I found that in training, um, trying to engage, you know, people, uh, is, is tricky as well. And so those are, those are a couple of opportunities I'm finding. Um, and then there's, there's also, you know, some really interesting things that we're doing right now to, to try to keep people connected, um, and to keep conversations flowing so that people don't feel alone or, or, you know, on an Island. Yeah. I think one of the things that has, has emerged over the past few months, because we transitioned everything to the virtual world is one of them the, the loneliness that you're talking about, people are feeling lonely, especially those that do not have families, they live by themselves. And they were, they were drawing their social connectivity from, from people at work or some other social you know, uh, activities, but mostly from people at work. And they don't have that now. 
And then the other thing is, of course, this fatigue of being connected all the time. Because, well, yes, you connect, you connect on a Zoom call or whatever platform you use, but there's this overconnectivity that we were seeing before because of the smartphones, but now it's like on steroids, right? People are in their computer on Zoom calls all the time, showing their faces on a video, on a video uh, conference and whatnot. So how, how are you addressing those two things, this, this epidemic of loneliness that people may be feeling these days because of not being able to be with their coworkers and friends from work? And also this idea of being fatigued because of, well, the overconnectivity that we've seen kind of exploding over the past uh, few months. Yeah. So in, in terms of, of, you know, staying connected, um, you know, we, we at, at, at Kogo have um, done quite a few things to try and get people to, to stay connected. Um, you know, we've done, and, and, you know, fortunately slash unfortunately, you know, again, the gift and the curse, you know, Zoom, Zoom enables a lot of this, um, but then, you know, push, pushes you back on, on cam. Um, but, you know, certain things like our, our ERGs have, um, we have an ERG uh, called Kogo Wogo, which is our women's ERG. Um, and, you know, they've done virtual uh, happy hours where they've actually um, uh, had everybody make the cocktail together, where they had a <laughs> professional bartender come on screen and they did a, a, a like a, a class. Um, we've done, uh, we, we have uh, multiple, multiple Slack channels that we use um, to, to kind of drive more community and fun into the, to the organization. We have a, t you know, a group of, of folks that love dad jokes, you know, all the way to people that um, hop on uh, Slack and, and do crossword puzzles together. So, you know, really just trying to find like ways to, to keep the connection um, beyond some of the, the standard, you know, court, you know, monthly, weekly, you know, monthly meetings, um, you know, you know, are there other opportunities to create that social connection that you're talking about? Um, you know, I think those are, those are, you know, the, the, the fun, the fun, interesting things that we're, we're up to these days. No, and that's, and that's fantastic. I think people are appreciating more, for, you know, in, in light of the lack of real one-on-one in-person connection, they still, I think people are enjoying doing something that is still virtual, but it's more social than just work. Totally. We're also like you trying to look at tools uh, to help enable this too. So um, there's a, there's a, a platform um, that uh, called um, uh, Kona. Uh, it's a, by a company called Psych Insights. I don't know if you've heard of them. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're helping to, you know, create that uh, empathy between managers, employees, you know, on their platform. And it's, and it's like right on Slack. So it's really simple to use. Um, and so we're, we're working on a, a pilot with them right now. Um, but beyond that, I mean, there's, there's all sorts of, of other things um, that we do. One of the things that, that's, you know, unique to Kogo and, and other companies as well is that we actually employ um, pieces of the Amazon six pager model for our project management, but also for some of the operational teams. So for instance, my team, um, and we document the heck out of everything. And so what, one of the things that, that, that enables is enables everybody to be able to read everything that's going on 
in our team. So all of the operational projects that we're working on, all of the, the big swing you know, projects that we're trying to drive at Kogo, they're all documented and stored um, so that everyone has access to those. So it really becomes you know, a, a leveling of the playing field of information um, and, and a way to kind of share some of that social capital. Yeah, and that is, that is very positive because, well, in one, one thing that I found in the past few months since this pandemic started is that a lot of the things that we knew we had to do in the workplace, we always found an excuse not to do those things, right? Like this, this is a great example, sharing information. Well, you know, we're busy or the team leaders are into something else or we don't have a platform to do so. You know, you, you name it and that was an excuse not to do the right thing. And one of the positive things, uh, the gifts, like somebody called one day about this, this pandemic is that we are finding creative ways to do what we know uh, or, and we knew we had to do but always had an excuse not to do it, right? And this is, I, I love this example because the sharing of information, the documentation, the sharing of, of knowledge across teams and verticals within the, the organization, I think is such a, such a powerful thing to do. And it, it elevates everybody in the organization. It makes everybody better because you're learning from your peers, your coworkers that in the past you may have not uh, learned from. Yeah, the sharing, the sharing of information, it's almost essentially, you know, the open sourcing of, yeah. of information um, is really powerful and it's, yeah. it helps teams uh, jumpstart, you know, in a lot of ways because they can reuse, you know, pieces of the documentation um, and it just, it, it, it opens up, you know, a lot of conversation as well yeah. Um, yeah. at the team level. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. So let me use this as a, as a segue into something that I know you're very passionate about, which is data, technology, culture, diversity, and inclusion. I know you've been doing a lot of work in, into leveraging on data and technology to do better diversity, equity, and inclusion. And, and I find that fascinating because it's not just saying we're going to do this, it's we're going to do this in the right way, not just for the sake of saying that we're doing it. So can you tell us more about the experience that you've had leveraging on data, utilizing technology to do better diversity, equity, and inclusion at Kogo? Yeah, so at Kogo, so far what we've, we've done, so we, we enabled um, our DEI council and the, the role of the DEI council, um, it's, a, it's a group of, of uh, a mixed group of people from, from the organization, uh, varying levels and backgrounds. And, uh, but they're all super passionate. That's, the, that's the, the piece that drives everybody together is that they're super passionate about this initiative. And um, the role that they play is, is to, uh, to run research uh, and analysis on the data in the organization, um, uh, form opinions, form essentially policy, and then work with the leaders and, and people of Kogo to drive out that policy into the organization in various ways. And it can show up in lots and lots of ways. Um, and we had an analyst uh, spend a quarter over uh, the Q2 digging into all of our people data. And what she found was um, a variety of biases in the organization. I think if any company were to do this, they would find a variety of biases in their organization. And it's anything from 
you know, hiring data to retention data to, you know, just general demographic data of people that we currently have at the organization, but also diving deep into uh, those that have left and trying to understand more about the why behind them, them leaving. And so what we've done is based on the hypotheses uh, we've, we built, uh, uh, or excuse me, based on the analysis we ran, we built some hypotheses um, and are now currently trying to test said hypotheses in a fairly organized way um, so that we can then on a quarterly cadence and cycle um, spend time working on the analysis, building the insights, and then, a, and then an action plan uh, associated to. So that's, that's our approach. And that is fantastic. And I, I, one, one thing that I, that I truly value of the work that, that you're doing is this authenticity and, and genuineness to say, we do have blind spots. We are not claiming it will be perfect, right? We do have blind spots that we have uncovered by using data. And now we're taking action to, to fix those blind spots. Because very often you find organizations that just put anything out there and they think that that's enough, even when that one thing that they are putting out there as a DEI program may not truly be addressing what the real problem is. It may be actually accelerating it and, and, and you know, amplifying the actual problem instead of, instead of addressing it. So, so little do they think about whether they have blind spots and how to, how to address them. So, so let me ask you something. I know it's for, for leaders in any organization, it's scary to say publicly, hey, guys, we've been doing this and it's not working. You know, this is, we, this is a blind spot for us. How do you convince or how, how did it happen in the organization that people started talking about blind spots and these are things that are not working? We got to do better than this. Well, I think, I think, you know, we started to um, really look at, you know, from, from the top down, right. Who, who we have in the seats, um, you know, who, who comes in the door, where those people are coming from. Um, we also started to, to notice, um, you know, certain populations leaving the organization and we wanted to understand why, you know, we're, we're, we know we're not above reproach on, on any of this. And, and so because of that, um, you know, because of that, and I think our, our passion and, and uh, philosophies, you know, rooted in data, you know, we are, we're an organization that really, you know, wants to do the right thing. And we tend to hire the people that, that want to do the right thing too. And so um, I think that's where it all really started. Um, you know, our, our CEO, Rob Fisher is, is really passionate about this. Um, you know, same with, with, um, uh, you know, some, some of the members of the, the DEI council, but then also those that, that cycle through the council, um, you know, through to our managers, all the way to our employees. There's just, there's just this, this, you know, passion that drives the organization. And I think when there's an opportunity to correct something and they, and, you know, we know that this isn't easy work, yeah. right? We know that this is, this is hard. This takes, this takes some time. And, and like you said, you know, we're not perfect. And so, you know, we're probably going to take some swings and get it wrong. Um, but we know that you have to try in order to, to even make a, a dent. Yeah, no, absolutely. What are some of the things that you have seen as blind spots? Because the reality is that when you do this as an organization, but also as an individual through assessments or coaching, whatever it is, and you find and identify some of those blind spots, 
people are generally surprised about when they see the results and thinking like, no way that I, that that's the way we are, no way that that's what we were doing before. So uh, it's, it's really telling when, when you can see this data and, and sort of come to terms with the fact that that's the data and now you got to do something about it, right? So what are some of the things that you found that truly made you feel like, oh my goodness, I just, I can't believe that this is what we were doing. Well, I think there's, there's some, um, we had some uh, findings around certain populations that leave the organization faster than others. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we want to understand, you know, why. Uh, And so we've been holding some, or attempting to hold some focus groups uh, with those populations to really dig into more of the why behind. Um, We've had, you know, one of the interesting things uh, is that we've had um, a group of unrepresented minorities exit themselves from our hiring, our hiring, um, uh, from our hiring funnel uh, and kind of self-exit, which is interesting. And so we're trying to understand you know, and dive into that as well. And so there's, there's some really interesting, you know, things that is, as you kind of dive into the data, you can see that it's beyond the, the, you know, the, just what's on the covers, right? It's easy to look at, you know, who's in your leadership team. It's easy to look at your retention data and just kind of, you know, do the, the surface level, level slices, but to actually dig in and run your hypotheses and see if there's correlations, you know, between two various, you know, data types really is gonna be, be what, uh, you know, helps you uncover the, the real meat uh, and the real opportunities in the, in the organization. Yeah, absolutely. You said before that everybody in this diversity and inclusion council, they are very passionate about this. And, but, you know, when, when you look across any given organization, there are people who, it's not that they don't care about it or that they don't believe in it, is that there's always an objection, right? To, to do perhaps the right thing. And let me give you one example of what I'm saying. There was a, I was interviewing a CHRO recently and she said, I had to spend some time explaining to our board that being, that, that thinking about diversity and inclusion in our recruitment process did not mean that we were lowering the standards because that, that would signify that the people that we wanted to bring diverse candidates had less capabilities than the rest. And that's not the true. It is more about creating better job descriptions, making sure that there are words that do not, um, you know, prevent one specific ethnic group from participating in our recruitment processes and whatnot. But the quality of the people that we're bringing will continue to be the same or even higher. So she had to spend some time managing those kinds of, of objections. Is there any challenge that you have found by in the organization when you are putting this idea forward of discovering your blind spots and doing something about it? Well, I think the, the, the biggest challenge is prioritizing and trying to understand what are the biggest swing opportunities, right? And how do you spend your time focused on those big, big swing, you know, mission changing opportunities versus the ones that may be a vanity play or something that, um, you know, at times, you know, might just, you know, it feel, might feel right to do, but it might not, it only may impact a smaller population. So I try to, I try to keep, keep us focused on, on some of the bigger swings 
um, so that we can, you know, really ensure that we're really making big, big impact across the organization. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one of the things that, that, you know, we're doing right now that, you know, at first I actually at, at, at uh, I'll be honest at, at uh, first glance, when I looked at it, I was like, mm, I don't know if this will be a really big impactful uh, play here. But as we started to measure a little bit more of the potential impact that it could have and, and the reach, um, you know, the, 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 uh, the outcomes could be quite great. And, and the specific on that one was, was that we were looking at some of the, the terminology in engineering. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there's some really, really, you know, interesting ways to uh, take out, you know, or replace certain terms that uh, are fairly derogatory in nature and, yeah. and you know, could, could just drive a, a more uh, belonging, you know, sense into the organ, sense of belonging to the organization. And so, um, at first, it, I was like, mm, that, "That won't impact a lot." But as I as I re realized the the reach that that actually has, it's quite impactful. And so there there's there's things that we're doing um, beyond that as well. Um, and I think the other thing that is is an interesting thing to think about is also, do you start with uh, really crystallizing and, and ensuring that your foundation internally is welcoming and, you know, creating a sense of belonging before you go out and create diversity partnerships and sourcing partnerships and ways to bring people in through, you know, uh, structured hiring practices, you know, do you, do you, you know, which, which comes first, right? And so that's also something that, that we've been spending some time and cycles thinking about. That question is really interesting because very often we focus on on what seemingly has the the higher visibility. Say, for example, well, yeah, you know, now we're bringing, you know, out of all the applicants for all of our jobs, you know, 50, 60 percent of them are from minority, you know, groups or ethnic groups, and now we, you know, 50 percent of the ones that are coming into the into the uh, the company are from from the, from those groups, but then they leave in a year because they find that the culture is not welcoming. So it's like a disconnect between your, your outward kind of recruitment process with your real internal culture, right? So I think that that question is fascinating and one that is very important to, to, to think about when you're doing this. Um, have you been able to connect all this work that you're doing with some tangible sort of ROI where you can say to your leadership, hey, you know, by doing this, we have increased 5% our employee engagement or we became 3% more productive. Have you been able to do that uh, sort of connection? Well, we're, we're measuring it now. So come, come, I'll come back to you in, in a quarter awesome. or two, but um, <laughs> you know, we use, we use an engagement tool internally and measure, you know, certain sub sub metrics around alignment of the organization around uh, net promoter uh, and around just general engagement. Um, to help to help measure this. Yeah, and, and that's fantastic. You know, I, I think leaders that are passionate about this, they also want to see, hey, it's not just the right thing to do, but there's a case for this being the right business thing to do. It's not just a human thing, but the right business thing to do. I think when you have that combination, it's just impossible to say, don't do it anymore or don't put any money on that. But, but instead, you're going to have more more leverage to, co to continue to do it. Correct. I mean, we've made the commitment to your point earlier also, you know, not 
there, there's no bar dropping that will happen, you know, at Coda. We've, we've set the bar exceptionally high, you know, and uh, to go out and capture the one percenters, you know, out there. And, and, you know, there, there are plenty of diverse one percenters out there and, and people that are just, you know, awesome, amazing individuals. So uh, we'll continue to hire amazing individuals and keep a focus there. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, uh, that's, that's, that's focusing on the people that are, you know, the, there's diversity in the pool of people that are exceptional. It's, you know, exceptional yes. people are not from one race or one ethnicity or one background. There's, 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 people are exceptional across, across different, different groups. So I think that's, uh, that awareness is, is powerful. So Mike, yeah. as, we, as we wrap up this conversation, I, I, I want to ask you a couple, of, a couple of ending questions. One of them is, if you could give people listening or watching this podcast one recommendation in terms of what we've been talking about, which is data, driving better diversity, equity, and inclusion. If you can give them one recommendation to start with, what would that be? Root your programs in, in data, right? Always have, have a, a goal uh, and a metric that you're, you're driving to and, and to, you know, allow the inputs, you know, to, to, you know, drive the output. So if you focus on really, really, really good inputs and research and planning, your outputs will, will likely just follow. And so that's what, that's what I would say. Spend time on the inputs. Absolutely. That's fantastic. And my last question to you is, what are you the most excited and the most concerned about the future? Oof. <laughs> well, well, I'm, I'm, I'm such a, a nerd when it comes to tech and HR tech that one of the things I'm really excited about is just the, the continued digitization of the HR space. Um, I think that uh, the virtual world that we're living in now and will likely continue to live in for some time uh, or forever, uh, for that matter, is going to drive some really interesting technology into the into. Um, the HR space and to just people operations in general. Um, and what am I worried about? Um, you know, I'm just worried about, you know, all of our employees. I'm worried about my friends, my family, you know, trying to create the connections um, and keep our connections, the, the social connection, the family connection, the, the friend connection, all of those things have just become much, much harder. And so, um, if somebody can come up with some interesting ways, you know, new interesting ways to keep people together, um, or maybe it's just, you know, we go back to the basics of, you know, telephone calls and, <laughs> yeah. and uh, you know, uh, just spending more time outside. I don't know. I've, I've been finding my way, you know, into, you know, some things that I probably wouldn't have been doing, you know, otherwise. So, um, yeah, I think that's that's what uh, keeps me up a little bit at night. Yeah, yeah, and I I too hope that we can we can keep and increase that that human connectivity because well you know everything that is happening in the world now and will continue to happen going forward and our problems will be amplified and they will be more complex. We're gonna need way more of each other, right? Whether it is to collaborate around finding solutions for things that are happening or just to be there for each other. Right, just just to be friends and 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 make sure that we are available to others that may be in a in a in a harder and more difficult place than than the one we are in. So, so that's great, Mike. Well, thank you so much for spending this time with me. This was a great conversation, and you're doing awesome work. 
Oh, thanks so much. I really appreciate it and had, had a lot of fun. Thank you. And thank you, everybody. Stay tuned for the next Hacking HR podcast. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking HR community. Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.